0: A lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today is my pleasure to welcome Chris Garner to the show, a lovely lady I met in Nicaragua a year or two ago, who, as we've kept in touch over the last year or two, I've gotten to really hear and see this incredible change that has come over her, that she's really strived to design a life for herself that is incredible new and awesome because Chris has suffered from anxiety her whole life and she was medicated her whole life to treat this anxiety. And over the last year or two, I believe she's weaned herself off of it completely and has been med free now for like 10 months. So with that said, Chris, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you.
1: Thanks, (laughs) Japen.
0: Yeah. I mean, this whole podcast about lifestyle design and you're an adventurer, you're a traveler, you're an entrepreneur, you're not expat per se yet but i know you have aspirations to live abroad but you know life designing your life without anxiety i think is a really interesting topic that i think a lot of people can relate to whoever they are and so i was excited to bring you on and 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 have you share your story and how you accomplish this incredible feat because i mean my understanding is you've been on medication since you were like 12 years old uh, i was
1: about 15 um okay. so it's like so it's an interesting um all right. I'm trying to backtrack. How is, how's the best way to go about this? I feel like anxiety is something that we all, everyone has experienced, you know, and, and especially in the societies that we live in today, where we have these overproducing, you know, work, 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 you know, like you, you, this, this structure tells us you get the job, you get the money, you get the house again, then, you know, and then you'll be happy. And we're not connected to ourselves. We're not connected to the land. And so when I even heard you say like, Oh, I, um, suffered with anxiety it's something that I've even changed my speak around now, because it's like, well, no, I've I experienced anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, and they even let go of an idea of there have, having big suffering, because that experience of having anxiety or ha- and having you know depression throughout that was actually you know a great gift. There is um there's a Mary Oliver quote about it says something along the lines of, uh, someone gave me a box full of darkness and it took me a lifetime to realize that this too was a gift. And were it not for being pushed to these places, then I wouldn't be where I am now. So, yeah, been med-free for about six months now after 17 years on high levels of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds.
0: What were you taking specifically?
1: Uh, I took for years. There's a, there's a whole cocktail of things. I've been on Wellbutrin. I've been on Zoloft. I've been on Effexor. I've been on Lorazepam. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and that started when I was, you know, 15 or so in high school and, and then, you know, and I kept experiencing these, you know, heightened states of emotion and anxiety and where I was unable to cope. And so they just kept upping my meds and upping my meds, but then you don't really actually develop any strategies of dealing with what you're actually going through. You're just medicating yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So. And what, do you know the triggers and like, how, how did it come about and how did it feel? I mean, was it completely debilitating like panic attacks?
1: Oh yeah. Like I had panic attacks. I, I couldn't function. Like I, I couldn't actually get through a day at school. I couldn't, I, I'd be just so overwhelmed. I couldn't breathe really. It's like, I couldn't get a breath. And I, I remember, um, just really being, even since I was a little child, just being fearful, like just, just being scared of a lot. Mm-hmm. And so coming into, it wasn't actually until, um, it was about two years ago. I quit my job. I'll, get back to that. But it wasn't until um, a trip I just took to um, Ecuador for some training where I had this uh, recognition. I'd been weaning off my meds for about nine months at this time. And I had a blip You know, when winter came and winter tends to be a trigger for me. The cold is a trigger because the way our bodies contract with the cold often mimics the way that our bodies contract with anxiety. So then our brain becomes confused. It's like, am I anxious? Am I cold? Yeah, I'm feeling the same emotions. And so when winter came, um, I was just, you know, hit rock bottom again and had to go back. I'd just come off meds and had to go back on a really low dose. And I was in Ecuador. I was sitting there and I was thinking about like, what, what is anxiety? Like, what actually is this, this, this thing we call anxiety? And when I recognized, I had this sort of epiphany of recognizing that, um, it's not anxiety. Anxiety is the name that we, 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 attribute to it because we're feeling a lot and we don't really know what to do with it, but it's actually, it's intuition, you know, and that I recognized that what was happening was I was picking up on a lot of information from the world around me. You know, it, was, it could be from the people who were around me, it could be from my environment, could be from the land. And I was getting all of this information and that my body was contracting because it was like, this is a lot. You know, I'm perceiving a lot and I don't really know how to filter it. And I don't really know what to do with it. And when I stopped looking at this anxiety as being some way that my body was somehow rebelling against me and recognize that I can trust my body. I can trust that this is just a reading on on information coming in and relax into it. I was suddenly able to realize that like certain emotions I was feeling didn't actually belong to me. It could be someone else in the room or a situation that was happening nearby. And so I stopped looking at as anxiety as this scary monster was going to come back and take me down any moment and started to realize that this is just incoming information and I can just breathe and let it pass through me and choose to engage where I, where I like and where it is going to be of benefit to me. Now was a game changer completely. Cause then I again
0: now, was it like a light switch went off to where like you had anxiety and then you had this epiphany and then no anxiety or was it a gradual sort of, like you said, acceptance of this stimuli coming into your body that then you got, had to learn what to pick and choose and what to, um, and how to then deal with it.
1: It's a little bit of both. I mean, what happened with my anxiety where I finally actually sort of tapped out is because if people don't realize, you you know, you say the word anxiety to a lot of people and they're going to think, um, oh yeah, you know, you've been feeling unnerved or I've been feeling anxious. Like, you know, when you're a kid before you have to go up and speak in front of the class, but you know, my anxiety was to the point. Um, I mean, I was teaching a lot of high need students who were, had a lot of trauma of their own for about 10 years and taking it, that environment was intense. And I had, when my anxiety and my depression had hit, it's, you know, actually, I'm going to correct myself for a second. I don't want to refer to it as my anxiety or my depression because it's not a, I don't own those things and those things don't own me. But when I was experiencing anxiety and depression, it was in a space where I'd actually gotten to the point where I could, um, no longer walk. My muscle fatigue was so heavy. My legs, I couldn't climb stairs. I had bleeding ulcers. I was regularly at the hospital, um, with, you know, I had been pumped full of morphine more than once when they thought, Oh, might be an appendix. And no, it's just anxiety. You know, the most bizarre things, even where there was a week, I went an entire week I couldn't pee, you know, Mm -hmm. because of my body was just, my hair was falling out. It was just arrested. um, And it was actually the birth of my daughter that made me realize that, like, I I can't do this anymore. Like, I I can't be this person because I can't tell her, you know, to live a life that serves her and then live a life that's destroying me. Like, I can't be that for her. So it was a gradual process of taking, like, about, I guess she was born four years ago. So over four years, I sort of took a year on mat leave, tried going back to the schools again, realized nope it's I just can't do it anymore. And then begin the process of, okay, well, what am I gonna do? Like I I know that I need to have an income to support my family, but I know that whatever I do has to be something that is consistently working um with my my healing journey, you know, healing my emotional, mental, physical, you know, all of it. Spiritual well being. Right.
0: And were you all always open to the possibility of alternative methods like holistic ways of healing yourself or um when did you get into introduced to that sort of approach to maybe taking matters into your own hands and stop seeing a doctor and exploring different options
1: um i'd always sort of tried i would tried many times to come off medication and and i'd had to you know i tried to put other things in in to help me, you know, wean off, whether it was exercise and making sure my diet was right. And I did have to pay attention to all of these. I was really uh, fortunate that my doctor, um, was extremely supportive and she was, uh, she was helped me get off the meds. There was also a recognition. This is like people out there need to know if you have anxiety or depression, you need to get your thyroid checked because, um, that was also an issue that was undiagnosed and mimics the same uh, symptoms, but really it was. Can you
0: tell the audience what that means? Like the thyroid, what, what a thyroid does and, and how that is related uh, to what you're talking about?
1: So your thyroid is like, it sort of controls like your adrenals. And so you could be hypothyroid or hyperthyroid. So you can be creating enough hormone or not enough hormone to, to function optimally. But, um, the, if you're hyperthyroid, you could be having more feelings of anxiety, chest palpitations. If you're hypothyroid, you could be having, um, the fatigue, which is the more depressive, um, elements that mimic the depression, which is the, uh, Muscle fatigue and irritability. And so they're, they're very similar. And I had, um, I was hypothyroid, but I was misdiagnosed because, um, typically if you're hypothyroid, you tend to ha- be more overweight. And I didn't have that issue. And so since I was low on the, it's, it's a, it's a range and I was low on the range, they were like, Oh, well, you're within normal, but it wasn't normal for my body. Mm-hmm. So what started to actually t- t- treating my thyroid as well, that it was like, Oh, like my legs don't actually hurt to stand anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Game changer. Cause then the physical activity that I needed to be able to maintain my mental health, what well, I was able to do it because I could use my legs again.
0: I see. And so you main you still then continually take medication then for your thyroid, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. I have like, I take what's called desiccated thyroid. It's a natural thyroid hormone before they had the synthetic form that was brought on the market. And okay. so I take a. That I see. Okay. It's such a multifaceted subject. Like you, you would ask like, did I come back, waver in and out of it? Or did I? And really it was. Yeah. Like there are, there are still days, um, where I do experience anxiety, but what it ultimately helped me get off my medication. And like, I, I will highly recommend this for anyone is, um, what's called Kundalini Yoga. And it's a yoga that is sort of written almost like uh, prescriptions. So it'll be like a uh, Kriya. A Kriya as opposed to asanas, which are like long held postures, Kriyas are like moving postures. So you might be like flapping your arms for like eight minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is for different things. So when I was coming off my meds, it was doing Kriyas for a detox that were working my liver and Kriyas for anxiety specifically that were helping me to come off my meds. You know, And I recognized that I couldn't take something away without replacing it. And yoga was what replaced my medication. Yoga is my medication now. So that, that is something that I know will always be kept up in my life because my body needs it. And I still continue to do the kundalini yoga and change up every 40 days or so which kriya I'm doing.
0: Interesting. So kundalini seems to be – is it the only type of yoga that you feel really helped you through this process? Or have you experienced equal um, amounts of – positive effects from other types of yoga
1: um i'd say like i mean i love all types of yoga too you know i enjoy all types of yoga uh how i've often heard kundalini yoga explained actually by a friend of mine was sort of like you know it's like the fast track you know like you can you get across the country you're going to take a car or you're going to fly or you know you're going to walk you know like you can do other types of yoga you know which might get you there sl- slower mm-hmm. or you which is kind of like flying there and it is it's extremely powerful and it is a little um when i started doing it i there were definitely things are sitting there going i don't know why i'm doing this i'm really uncomfortable because the mantra i'm singing has the word god in it and that's a trigger for me right now which i've since worked through you know but (laughs) there was like i had to it made me look at myself a lot and um like there's a, a career right now I'm doing that, that targets um the heart space a lot. And every morning I'm doing it and I start bawling my eyes out because this is bringing stuff up, hmm. you know?
0: Interesting. So you touched upon, you know, you still do have anxiety and the Kundalini has um really helped you move through a lot of the anxiety that you did go through in the past. But when it does come up, do you experience it in the same way? Like, is it as intense or has it really dissipated? throughout your practice of kundalini yoga.
1: Oh, it's for sure dissipated. Like there are things that would have sent me reeling that like, I don't even blink at anymore. I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like my nervous system is just calmed down significantly. And like, yeah, there are for sure days I'm going to, I'll come home where I'll feel like a flutter of anxiety in my chest or, but I also am, I'm so blessed to have really supportive um, family and community. And so, and for us, we all just practice open communication. So there's no having to hide anything. And if I come home and we live so sort of communally and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. Is it okay if I cry or just scream right now? They're like, yeah, go right ahead. You know, it's important to have a network and be able to just speak your truth and own this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Be bottling up and pushing these feelings down that ultimately results in us feeling these overwhelmed. Right. And for, for 17 years, you're taking medication and not dealing with your issues. Well, when you're off the medication, all those issues of 17 years are going to start coming up.
0: Mm-hmm. And now, you got to, did you have a therapist uh, over the 17 years you've been dealing with this or?
1: Nope. No. I've, um, I've never had seen a professional therapist. I talked to people, I talked to mostly my work was done internally. Um, I think for a long time it was really challenging for me to talk to people. Even my parents didn't really know until maybe a few years ago just how bad my um, depression and anxiety had been because I'd been really good at hiding it. And um, I would talk about it like openly with my students in my class because of the fact that I knew it was something like I had students who were eight years old and medicated for depression. And I wanted to them to understand that there was nothing to be ashamed of. They could talk to me and be open about it. So it was something I would talk about, um, but not always kind of slightly removed from it and was not really open to a lot of people seeing me be too vulnerable with it. So it's really just something that in the past few years when I realized I have to deal with this, it means, like, I can't be scared of it anymore. So I I need to own it.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I just need that's so cool. So cool. I mean, I'm so proud of you, man. That's incredible. And I just want to circle back a little bit just to give the audience mm-hmm. like a full picture of this. So, I mean, you were a full-time teacher for like 10 years with special needs children, is that correct?
1: Uh, not necessarily uh with with high needs high needs children. High so needs. a lot of, a lot of the students I worked with were came from government housing or from you know, reserves or had experienced a lot of trauma. And there were certainly some placements I had that were, you know, not as intense, but for the majority of my, my career, it was with kids who had, you know, experienced a lot, a lot mm-hmm. in their, li- so in their short lifetime to date.
0: And so you also mentioned that you've kind of removed yourself from that full time teaching environment. Um, I believe you still substitute occasionally, but. What's very interesting to me as well is like you've taken a whole new different direction with your life and you're developing the entrepreneurial side of yourself with um delving deeper into these alternative healing methods. Um, Like you just mentioned, you just been to Ecuador on a – uh was that a yoga retreat where you got it certified?
1: Was, yeah, it was um training uh, at a school in Ecuador for Tantra Yoga Art and Shamanism. Mm-hmm. So working with the kids, students that I worked with were primarily indigenous. And so part of, um, the tribe that is, uh, sort of indigenous to the area here, there's, there's several of them. Um, but the Ojibwe seven teachings were something that we were frequently teaching in the schools. And so I became really interested in that and recognized that as a powerful tool for healing. And so working with the indigenous cultures in, along with my yoga became the two things that were closely tied to my healing journey, really.
0: That's fascinating. So by working by, cause I guess by law, you had to teach this, these indigenous children, their culture and their, their ways of life prior to us taking over. And through that teaching, you kind of learned that there, there would be alternative ways for you to approach your, your anxiety. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Well, I recognize that it was just like the, these things of, we're teaching where we're, we're is about connection to the earth. it is about connection to ourselves is about humility and love and respect and wisdom. And, and, you know, the ways that we encourage and, you know, and then truth and, and all these teachings that were just like, wow, this is just, this is common sense to me. Like, this is the important stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I was teaching for 10 years. And then when I, when I left, um, I love teaching. Like I love teaching in in general. Like I love teaching children, I love teaching adults. I love putting on playing that role. It is so much fun to me. And I realized that I have to leave the schools because this feels toxic to me. I I eventually found, I just didn't feel I can make as much of a difference as I would have liked you within that structure. And that was really frustrating for me because I was just seeing these kids who were coming in with a lot of pain and, I was only able to help so many of them because of the resources I had and the time I had. And it was just heartbreaking. And then I would come home and I had nothing for my own child. And I was like, ah, you know, like I have to leave. And so when I left, I realized I love teaching. So what am I going to do that will allow me to continue teaching, but teaching something I love. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yoga is a part of my process. Yoga is a part of my healing journey. So I'm definitely getting my yoga training because that's going to benefit me. And so then I uh, took off to Ecuador for six weeks to uh, train at Durga's tiger school for tantra yoga art and shamanism. So,
0: and so then that gave you the certification then to start your, your business now. Is that correct?
1: Um, well, yes, I know. Like I kind of had started when I left teaching. Um, I do. and When people ask what I do, it's like a million things. <laughs> So I, when I left teaching, um, the first thing I did was in a quote that said, um, anxiety is creativity without an outlet. And I was like, oh man, like, that's me. Like I'm so anxious so often and I'm so creative and I never spend time creating. And so I started painting and I started making, um, meditation malas and I started making jewelry and I just started making all this stuff. And then I was like, all right, so what am I gonna do with all this stuff? Because who needs to have 50 malas? Mm-hmm. And I started selling them, and so I started doing like just little trade shows, and so that was my first sort of foray into my own business. Where I teach now, like I have my yoga certification. I don't necessarily need my certification to be teaching, and I don't actually teach um, even the Kala Tantra yoga that I I should be okay teach. Uh or not should be, but the the prescribed me. Um
0: what is the name of your business?
1: Oh, okay. So Prairie Sprite Designs was the um jewelry aspect, but then I kind of like went off of my own, like, I'm gonna create this other business that's about healing. And and I started so one of the other things I was doing is um uh, I dived into body work in terms of massage and learning about the body because my my body was in so much pain for so many years that I started studying on my own and with massage therapists and online just a study of bioenergetics about how the body and emotions um, are retained in the body. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing body work and healing work through that. And then so that's one aspect of it. I started teaching yoga, but the yoga that I teach is not through a business. It's actually through Karma Yoga Winnipeg, which is like a non or donation-based yoga studio in the downtown of Winnipeg. So that yoga is accessible to everyone. So it's sort of a, you know, pay what you can. And, uh, and really my classes tend to be intuitive. It's like whatever I'm kind of downloading at the moment or really feeling that day. And I'll start doing, um, Uh, Tantra art and shamanism classes, which is like exploring the shamanic arts, which is like theater, dance, singing, and storytelling, which at one point in time were used to, uh, or Right now we consider them performance arts, but they used to be a means of just connecting to spirit in shamanic cultures. And so every single religion in the world, every single spiritual practice is derived from shamanic societies. Those are the, the oldest form of spirituality. And so I recognize this is like our birthright, you know, to, to partake in the, these ways. And so that has been uh, another, another piece of, piece of the puzzle
0: (laughs) that's cool can you can you really quickly just take a moment to describe to our audience the difference between like shamanism and like uh the yoga practice i mean i think we we talked about this once before but you, you described that there's a big difference between shamanism and what it's rooted in versus like um hinduism or something like that
1: oh well they're just i mean my what i sort of found for me was that um, the, and this was just my personal experience was that the Eastern practices were very high in spirit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and which is great, but I also have a real need for grounding. And so in indigenous cultures, and in like shamanic practices, there's a really heavy emphasis on connection to the mother onto mother earth. And so it, it's a very, so when I'm doing my yoga it is, you know, it's, it's very much a, I find more of a high in spirit. I can feel, I feel too, more stuff happening in my crown. And when I'm doing my, my shamanic practices, I'm, I'm feeling very much more rooted. So it's just keeping that balance for me was really important.
0: I see. I see. Cool, cool. Um, and then, you know, with you, you have also branched off into, uh, retreats. I believe you were saying earlier too. Um, where you're going to start hosting retreats in various locations around the world to bring people to do what?
1: Well, really what I've found is, is travel has been one of my biggest teachers. You know, it takes you out of any space that has been your, your comfort zone puts you somewhere completely different where you're like, Oh my God, the whole world doesn't live the way that I've been living in my bubble and challenges your way of thinking. And so where I, I, am working with a friend right now in, in Ecuador And we're hosting three retreats and one of them is an immersive indigenous experience. So we go to three communities, uh, one one in the jungle, one up in the Andes, um, and, uh, another one just can't remember the exact region. I have to look on the map, but, uh, and we do pilgrimage to like sacred places and we, and we learn from the tribes there. And, and our whole goal is that the, uh, resources that like we help to support these communities and, and give them the money, right? So it's not like, this is not, you're going to be like a kind of trip where you're going to go and have a, you know, five-star hotel, like, cause we're, we're going to be staying in these people's homes, you know? So we keep them small, about eight people. Maybe there's uh we're also heading into the Amazon uh for nine days to live with the Sequoia tribe there uh, in January to learn about their way of life and, Take part in, uh, some plant medicine and really just see what's happening and, and gain new perspective into ourselves. And then, so that one's really a not as structured as the first one. And we're sort of just really just being immersed in the culture. Mm-hmm. And the one is a tantra surf and shamanism. And that is on the coast in Ecuador. And so for that, when we talk about the shamanism, um, I'm referring to primarily the shamanic arts. So I use theater and play and singing, uh, to, to help you move into spaces that you haven't moved into before and help release emotion and with medicine drumming as well. So there's a, yeah, the, and there's, and ceremony. So the principles of shamanism are, um, hold on. I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs>
0: That's all right. You can gather it or we can, we can move on if you can't, you can't find it. How much are you charging for your retreats in Ecuador?
1: Uh, the first one is nine days and that's the one going into three different communities and it's, uh, 1150. And then the second one is living with the tribe in the Amazon and then we'll do three days of, um, navigating a few other parts of ecuador on our way back to quito and so that one is ten twenty, and we haven't priced out the third one yet
0: mm. those are re- that's reasonable prices
1: oh yeah we try to keep as low as possible because we want people to come and experience this and we want them and we're not trying to just pat our pockets we're like mm-hmm. to the community what is reasonable and, and you're not getting like you know like your private chef is someone in their home like you know
0: I wanted to ask about, um, what's, what's the retreats called?
1: So the retreats right now are just, they're on my Facebook page. Well, one of them's up, the other one will be up this week and the third one will be up in a week or so, uh, which is Nani Honua, Mm N-A-N-I-H-O-N-U-A, which means beautiful earth in Hawaiian. Um, and that just came from an experience where I had, I had the opportunity to share in the Hawaiian culture when I, I lived there for for 6 months several years ago and worked as a coffee and lettuce farmer and and it was like it felt like the at like the right name beautiful earth because I mean, since my practices are constantly changing uh right now it's my business tends to be steeped in both shamanic indigenous and eastern traditions all together and you know throwing some art in there and I don't know where it will where it will go it's open ended it's it's constantly evolving
0: mhm and you were saying that the money that comes in through these retreats, majority of it goes to the indigenous people that have helped you out to host the retreat. But I'm mm-hmm. assuming that you are going to be paying yourself to facilitate all this.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll be, we, we'll be paid as, as facilitators. I mean, it's costing us money to advertise and to put it together and to fly down. And so, yeah, it's also a way to support. Um, support my own learning process right that i if i want to go deeper into myself i'm going to need to provide opportunities for that and so this is a way for me to finance those opportunities and to also provide really life-changing experiences for people and we keep the groups to only eight people mm-hmm. just keep it intimate because it's uh the whole goal of these retreats is like, yeah, it'll be a vacation and, and you'll come away feeling, you know, a lot more relaxed, but it's also something that is meant to completely transform your life. You know, that you, you go on these trips and you will never be the same. And that is what it is designed for.
0: Do you have like a itinerary that you can maybe share with our audience to help them understand, like, what if they were to come, they'd be doing on a daily basis?
1: Uh, well, yeah, we have one trip that we're doing, um, that involves like to name a few things is, Heading up into uh, the Andes to a community called Oyakachi. It's a reserve up there where we'll be doing uh, a little harvest obsidian. We'll make power objects. We'll go and bathe in the, um, in the hot springs there. We do a hike to a sacred waterfall. We do, which is in the, in the jungle. We, we do go to a cacao plantation which is where chocolate is, is made from, where we go through the whole process of the organic cacao plantation, where we uh, then have a cacao ceremony after we've processed and taken care of all the beans. Uh, we do a hike around a sacred lake where we do a uh, water ritual and blessings. Uh, and yeah, and we do when we go into the Amazon, we'll be doing tours of um just a sort of eco, uh, ecological tour, environmental tour of what's been happening in the Amazon. You'll be able to see what's been happening with deforestation with the, uh, with palm planting. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of ceremony, a lot of drumming, a lot of council, um, a lot of time for introspection and a lot of attending some really powerful places.
0: And then you were saying that your ultimate goal is to obviously have individuals have a profound change within themselves. And are you just allowing these experience to kind of organically have these people change in a way that they just naturally do? Or are you driving them towards a specific change? Like, for example, in, um, when I interviewed Gaia Ma and I forget the episode number, but she talks about, you know, help giving people through these similar sorts of like, um, seminars holistic seminars if you will Mm -hmm. the tools to take on life's challenges you know that's kind of her goal like she she it's not for she always says you're not going to leave here like 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 superman but you're definitely going to leave with the tools to then take on life's challenges so do you have like a specific goal for individuals who come that's more specific than just you know a a profound life-changing experience
1: Well, that's, that's the beauty of taking eight people is that myself and my, my partner, Jose, who is doing the retreats with me, both have done a lot of our own healing work and both of us tend to counsel others in their work as, as part of our lives. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I also do body work to help move things. And so that is also going to be a part of it naturally that will be occurring organically in the last retreat where it's a tantra surf and shamanism, they will be more pushing in the sense of like, I might have say an activity that is like, we're dancing like our inner child and we're going to move through our inner child and express our inner child. I mean, I did a a workshop at a yoga festival a few weeks back where I had, you know, 42 or so adults throw temper tantrums. It was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) People came up crying afterwards and said, how that really moved them and they needed that. And so uh, depending on the retreat, like I've done workshops here as well, uh, if I'm doing the the working with the shamanic arts, yeah, yeah, I will for sure push you. There there were days in my training where I was like, you're going to dance the dance of chaos and you're going to dance it for an hour until you just break. And so sometimes we need to be moved and pushed to those places. We can do it in ways that are super pleasurable, like through play, you know, and and, and exhausting ourselves by through creating And so that, that is definitely depending on which retreat the ones, uh, where we're going to all these sort of pilgrimages to places, um, myself and Jose are always there to like help guide, help facilitate, help work through things. Um, but not so much as a, here is like the lesson plan, Mm -hmm. you know, more of an organic as it comes up and, and helping to be there as a presence. And then if it's the specifically working with the shamanic arts and with Tantra, then that is more geared to here's what this our sort of syllabus is and what we're going to work on.
0: Nice. Can you, or do you have one specific profound moment that you remember somebody having that you really felt like they're changed forever that you'd like to share that you've seen somebody transform into?
1: I mean, there's been a lot. i uh, I've had, it's been really interesting because about two years ago when I started realizing I just talk about my depression, I started putting it out there and I started using the word or not my depression, sorry, my experience with depression, <laughs> I started putting it out there and I had more and more people start messaging me and saying like, you know, when you did that, it really, you know, it, it opened something up for me. And when I've done these, these classes, um, I've watched people, you know, lying in Shavasana, um, at the end of class, uh, crying. You know, I had a really uh, one of the classes I also teach as well is, is uh, naked yoga for women, and it's about learning to be at home in and, and love our bodies, like these vessels that carry us through life. You know, uh, so one of the classes I teach is a naked yoga class for women, which is about being body right and to to not be ashamed of them and to revere them as as these sacred laws that they are. And I had a class a few weeks ago where every one of the people in class started crying, you know then that was that's pretty profound and I've had a a gentleman approach me after a workshop one day and say he couldn't dance he couldn't dance till after this workshop and that that it changed his life it opened something up in him so it, it happens yeah frequently uh when we do when I do these workshops, I get emails i get people coming up to me afterwards and explaining how they, they simply had forgotten how to really play, you know, and, and how important that is when we reconnect to that space, because for a lot of us, we haven't played like children since we were children. And when you do that, you actually open up a part of the mind and part of the psyche that hasn't been accessed in a long time. So when you do that, it's suddenly, it's like, you go back to that place. And at that time in our childhood, we all have these like, Parts of our inner child that are really wounded. And when you start visiting that place again, you're like, oh, my God, like there's stuff I need to work through and I need to grieve, you know, and I need to celebrate certain things that I may have been angry about before. And so it pushes you to those places.
0: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, you know, for people who might want to join your retreats or mm-hmm. f- find you in your neighborhood because I'm hoping you'll share this with all your your following. Um, what's the best way to contact you? Do you have a website?
1: I have a website. I haven't done a great job upkeeping it as of late. But yeah, the business name is Nani Honua, like N-A-N-I-H-O-N-U-A. And it's on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm still doing a trying to do a better job with um, getting everything organized. But also just my own Facebook, um, Chris Garner, K-R-I-S. Mm-hmm. You know my name.
0: <laughs> I know your name. And, uh, the audience does now too. That's yeah. really cool. I mean, I'm, like I said, I think it's so cool, you know, to be six months without medication and going through life in the way you are, designing it in the way you want. And, you know, transitioning from that teaching role in the conventional sense to a teaching role in more of a, a healing sense that you are taking on now. And just for the audience's understanding of like, you don't necessarily have this like uh husband who's bringing home tons of bucks. Like you are a participant in the household to bring in money and you are doing it through these types of retreats, through types of um, jewelry making, just in the, all the various ways you just described, which is super cool too.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's also involved like you know, making some, I wouldn't even call them sacrifices. It's really just choices, right? Cause I can work a job that, you know, is not making me very happy and make a lot of money and have a nice house and all the things. Or, you know, I can give that up and recognize that my happiness does not come from anything outside of me. And so it meant, um, and when I quit my job, of course, I lost a, a really great income with a lot of great benefits. And so involved, okay, well, we're going to sell the house, we're going to sell the house and we're going to move into an apartment. And we moved into an apartment that is uh, close by to a few houses down from friends of ours who also live communally. So there's five friends here and there's another, uh, the three of us at the apartment and we all live together. So, you know, we, we share space and it's uh, extremely helpful because now it's, there's a community raising my child and it's, it's far less isolating. And Yeah, we share in meals and it's it's been a really, really big shift and a really positive one. And ideally, my my goal is to one day be sort of living, owning land somewhere in a far more temperate climate with my own healing studio and having an eco village there with the with the right people. Because, I you know, I think community is extremely important. I I don't think actually I know I, I could not be where I am without the support of the people in my life. I just simply would not be here and uh, you have to learn to trust that. You have to learn to trust that you will be supported. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying my family has been so tremendously supportive in me and my undertaking of this podcast, my on- online surf instruction business. And I couldn't have done it without them. I mean, I'm still not there yet, but it's just so much. They've been so helpful throughout this process of, you know, letting me crash at their various houses and really just letting me focus on what I need to focus on. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. I think the audience is going to get a lot of uh, really beneficial things from this episode. And um, I know that you're open to anybody who does suffer from anxiety to contact you. Is that correct?
1: For sure. There's one thing I wanted to mention that mm-hmm. I was just came to mind was that ask for help. Like, I don't even say like ask for help in the sense of like, go to a therapist or go to like, cause, cause really, but I I mean, when things were learning to humble ourselves and be like, hey, I don't have to do this on my own. Like, ultimately, we do the work on our own, but we don't need to do it alone. Right. And just being able to say to people, man, it's tough right now. Like right now, life is feeling really tough. Can someone help me when I have actually summoned the courage to do that? I, I poured out to my community probably about nine months ago when I was really, really feeling stuck. And suddenly I had people just coming out of the woodworks, people I wouldn't even expected coming to support me, you know, learn to ask, learn that that is your right. Is your right to say what you need in life is your right to ask for what you want in life. You might not receive it, but as your right to ask for it.
0: That's really well said. That's a good closing statement. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks so much. Chapin.
0: Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation where you're at and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life i hope these people that i interview inspire you to go out spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one but when in fact it's the perfect one for you and i'll see you next time